grab a cup of tea Put on your headphones if you've got a burning question We might have an answer, it's the V All right, everyone, welcome to our podcast on sexology today. My name is Yet. And I'm Georgia. And we're here to talk about we're here to talk about sex. <laughs> Very professional Zoom lag going on. Um, but yeah, something about us is that me and Yet have been wanting to have a podcast on sexology since the beginning of our committee. And we're so excited that it's finally happening. Our guest today is uh, Yuri Ores, if I pronounced that right. He's an expert in the field of sex. Thank you so much for uh, being here, Yuri. Um, he caught our intention with his expertise on sexual health, but there's so much more. Maybe you can tell a little bit about it yourself. What do you do? Yeah, well, since uh, about 25 years, I'm working for Rutgers, uh, which is the, the National Knowledge Center of uh, Sexuality. And uh, I started being a sex educator in schools. So I went to schools in, uh, in Amsterdam to start with and then uh, all over the country to talk with young people about sexuality. So I did some sex education as a, as a guest, a host teacher. Um, and then after five years, we uh, had to stop um, this, uh, these services because the government cut the, uh, the, this, uh, the, the money for uh, the, the provision of money for us. So um, uh, Rutgers went on as a knowledge center, not directly uh, communicating with young people, but uh, serving the professionals instead. Um, so uh, then I became a trainer um, and my main fields of training are uh, sexuality education and uh, communi professional communication about sexuality. So uh, what I mostly do is I do train professionals in how to sexuality, whether they're nurses or doctors or working in schools or in youth care or in prisons. Um, and uh, also I do train, you know, all kinds of uh, people, voluntary, professional, would like to engage in uh, sexuality education. Um, also for Rutgers, I am one of the editors of Sense.info, uh, the website about sexuality, the largest one in the Netherlands, which is uh, hosted or basically, uh, basically, well, founded by Rutgers and SOA It's Nederland. And um, every year about 6 million visits we have from the Netherlands and also abroad. Um, for the English speaking people, we also have an English version. So you can also see sense.info um, at the uh, English version. And then since, uh, since 10 years, I also do this work internationally. So for Rutgers, I do train our, <clears throat> our, our partners in Africa and Asia on, on basically the same matters. And, um, you know, the challenge, of course, is first to, to get connected and to communicate and create a safe environment for many people who are not used to talk about sexuality in a group. Um, and then uh, the most fascinating part is to, uh, to, to, to brainstorm with them how the information they have on sexuality and the basic training, how the information can be implemented so that it makes sense within their communities. And that's where their expertise come in. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not aware of the cultural sensitivities and, 
things that they are aware of. So, you know, that's always not a good learning experience for me as well. But of course, since the last one and a half years, I've mainly focused on the Netherlands due to COVID. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have a first question for you and yeah, that's pretty much the, uh, the gist of your work, I think. But what is sexual health? Well, sexual health, it's, it's not only physical health. Uh, many people think, oh, if you're sexual health, you don't have STI and you don't have any other um, physical or mental discomfort, but it's also um, the availability of information. Um, it's also you you're live in a sexual healthy uh, environment when you know where to go for information, when you are accepted um, in the way you express your sexuality or you have questions about your sexuality. So you can, you, you, you basically, to, to put it very shortly, you live in an environment that supports you uh, in in your sexual development, in your sexual um, desires, uh, of course, uh, within the limits of the law, um, but that's sexual healthy. So, for example, if you're in a school that says, okay, sex education is nothing for school, it's for parents, then the school is not a sexually healthy environment. Yeah, obviously having sexual health is a very important uh, topic and it's really important to have that kind of uh, safe environment. Um, On the contrary, what do you think is the biggest stigma against sexual health? Um, Well, the biggest stigma is that I think uh, people think uh, about sexual health, uh, uh, whether it's about intercourse, sexual intercourse. I think that's the biggest misconception when you talk about sexuality is that people think that it's only about uh, penis-vagina intercourse. And uh, of course, uh, sexuality, it's, it's much, much more than only that. It's, you know, it's, it starts from birth and it's uh, until you die. And maybe even after your death, sexuality is part of you. I'm doing the minor gender sexuality and um, they... they... Of, I learned from text and everything that sexuality is maybe not uh, a fixed thing that, for example, uh, oh. you learn that you want to be or you're heterosexual and then you, you're going to be there for the rest of your life. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, in other cultures, that's not the case. So how do you yeah, feel about it? It's, it's, it's really, it's, well, you know, be, be, before the age of 10, your whole um, sexual map love map we call it in sexuality is is fixed it's imprinted so everything that 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 you will be uh triggered by or aroused by or stimulated by it's 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 there the whole prog uh, the whole program is is programmed however uh it depends on the circum the, the the circumstances and where you go and your relationships whether or not you discover this um and um yeah, it's it's true that um, that that even you know also life events like moving together uh, with uh, your your partner, uh, having children, uh, becoming chronically ill, uh, having an accident, uh, all these all these life events uh, affect your sexuality. Even some medication, uh, for example, uh, antidepressants or other medication these things all affect your sexuality and um, so this means that it's very dynamic you never know what's going to happen until you you're there 
and you know it's 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 given yeah i think that's really interesting mm-hmm. and that's also something that it's it's very important to realize i mean um i have people that uh uh, sometimes, uh, well, you're in your, uh, your, your students, uh, you're, you're discovering all kinds of new things in life, uh, also relationships, sexuality, maybe. And, you know, in 10 or 25 years, you may think, oh, you know, my sex life is different than it used to be when I was a student. And maybe it's, it's, it's and, and of course it will be. And, 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 but if you don't realize this, or if you haven't learned this, you, know, you you can be frustrated or you can be, be be sad about it but you know if you anticipate on it you can you can do anything that you can to to uh, enjoy sexuality to the fullest of your capacity it's definitely um very insightful yuri thank you for those insights um going back a little bit to what we've discussed before you have a lot of experience in this field Um, across different situations but what do you think are the most common issues that you see uh, in your work Um, well it's the 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 most common and 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 that's something I I really come to realize since I work internationally is that when you talk about sexuality and if you do sexuality education um, I think 75% is about gender um, it's about what is allowed for girls, what is allowed for boys, what are the common myths, what are the common stereotypes, um, and and when you break them all down, it's all about what is what are men allowed to and what are women allowed to. And I think if if you make young people and then also older people understand that gender is a construct, and that we all um, have have learned well we all grow up in a gendered society and that it also affects our sexuality for for better uh, for sometimes positively but also sometimes negatively uh, then i think um, understanding sexuality will be much more compl- uh, easy i couldn't find a word yeah it's 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 a lot about norms and normativities and and i see this in the discussions i have between men and women in, in all kinds of and, and all kinds of other uh, sexuality and sexes, of course. Um, once you, you 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 start discussing sex and what is you know you you, you see it's a gender issue how how people deal with it. And um, um, for example, you know men grow up with the idea that that men uh, want to have sex twenty four seven. It's not true, but uh, especially young men. They think, oh, you know, I should have be, uh, I should be ready 24/7, and 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 sometimes they think, okay, maybe in this situation I'm not particularly fun to have sex because of the circumstances, because of the person I'm with. Um, but in the back of the head, they think, oh, you have to show that you're a real man because as a real man, you're, uh, you have to get every, any opportunity you have you get to have sex otherwise you're not a real man and under this pressure a lot of boys and men uh, and i've worked with them as well in in, in different programs take sometimes decisions uh, not because they want to but because of it's expected from them mm-hmm. and the other the, the opposite of the medal is of course for the women and 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 of course i'm not talking about uh the the the, the, the transgender and the uh, not intersex at the moment, but because it's a very common dual city, but of course it's about everybody. 
when women they, they learn oh you should not express that you're sexually interested or you not go out showing uh, that you're uh, having condoms uh, in your pocket uh, because that's not what we want women to do eh? it's not appropriate for women to show that they're interested in sex and yeah. uh, you know the, the whole discussion about female sexual pleasure that has started about 10 15 years ago in in a positive direction it shows that uh, yeah women uh, or female sexual pleasure has been denied for for decades because of uh, a, a gender uh, norm for women eh? you should be waiting you should not initiate you should not express your sexual desire because yeah may, people may benefit from it mm -hmm. this is something that we you see all over the world okay yeah i was just gonna ask because i was wondering if this view is maybe uh, western or eurocentric that's it's also no it's it's you know and and I can I can tell you some funny stories that that if I don't have time for it, but once I was in an African country with a colleague, and mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 we had a training. It was for um, sex educators uh, for um, uh, on, on I think it was a university level. Anyway, uh, so we had about uh, 10, 15 men and 10, 15 women, and they were about your age, twenty plus, I think. And uh, the men, they were really uh, talking eventually in the, in the start of the training about how uh, they had a sexual technique to, to make women have an orgasm. And uh, they also said, well, you know, we can always, uh, we, we can make them uh, having an, a squirting orgasm. And my colleague and I, they were, were looking at each other and thinking, okay, well, it's very good that they, they, they care about the pleasure of women. So we looked at it from a very positive side and we started to talk about this. And of course, you know, they thought it was their invention eh, from their, their culture. <laughs> of course it was, not, I mean, you know, it's, it's worldwide uh, anyway, done uh, the way they, they performed their sexual act. But anyway, uh, eventually we, we found out that, you know, if, the men did not succeed in in uh, in, in in stimulating uh, a, a spraying or a, a squirting orgasm in women. It was the women's fault, and then oh. the man had uh, the had a good reason to go have sex with another woman. Uh, and if the woman uh, said to the man, "Okay, you know, if you want me to have an orgasm, you should do this or you should do that." Uh, then she was a prostitute because uh, you know if you know so much about sex as a woman, uh, it's it's wrong, you know. So um, what started out as a very positive, um, I uh, you know, uh, a story like oh we men we know how to please our women, uh, and of course it's a lot of bragging uh, most of the times. Mm -hmm. But um, you know you see how this um, how this this idea. Uh, also about uh, the, the, the anatomy, uh, also about the female orgasm, uh, it's creating a lot of stress and also a lot of gender uh, um, yeah, bias and, 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 and stereotypes and, uh, well, I don't want to say violence, but suppression. Yeah. yeah, such a different image for men and women, what they can do, or yeah, yeah. what they can talk about. And, and and this is this is um, a variety of of uh, the, the the worldwide spread idea that men 
um, are able to give women an orgasm and and you know uh, it's not the other way around it's men give pleasure you know and and uh, men know how uh, know about the, the female body mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's that's not true of course yeah yeah it definitely stems back to a long time ago because if we look at freud uh, he thought that the only way that women should take pleasure is penetrative sex and that clitoral stimulation was immature there you go yeah, yeah. freud did a lot of uh, damage to uh, female sexual pleasure uh, i mean he was also the one that uh, created the myth that there's a clitoral orgasm and a vaginal orgasm and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist a vaginal orgasm doesn't exist it's uh it's it's all through the clitoris and there's a lot of misconception there and you know, I told you just that that uh, you know, sexual education is eighty, well, seventy-five, seventy percent about gender, but uh, you know, of course, you have to know uh, some things about uh, you know the body, and you know, the whole uh, information about the clitoris uh, overall has been very, very limited, and it's not until this year that in a Dutch um, uh, biology book for uh, secondary education there is going to be a full uh, a correct uh, 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 picture of the clitoris as it is had uh, a whole clitoral system so not a little tiny top of the of the clitoris that you used to see but the whole system so you can make on that it, it, it gives young women and men more insight in in female sexual pleasure yeah, and uh, you you said you've been to a lot of countries, Africa, Asia, and mm-hmm. uh, is there a lot of difference in sexual education that is given in schools or by yes. parents? Yes, yeah. In, in in some countries, they there's no sex education because uh, you know the 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 idea is that uh, it stimulates early sexual behavior and um, it, it's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, or in some countries, uh, it's done. Um, where the head teacher is uh, also uh, male female is also participating in the class because uh, he or she wants to make sure that the messages are correct and yeah there's always the debate whether or not it should be done by the parents and also in the Netherlands uh, there's many schools and actually I've just trained uh, a school uh, where some of the teachers said well you know I'm a man I'm I'm doing uh, I'm giving some some uh, uh, classes about uh, techniques uh, and when something comes up about sexuality I, I don't talk about it because it's not my business and I think if you're a sexual healthy school you give the opportunity you're not only there for you know, like teaching math or teaching Dutch, but when something comes up, like like a few weeks ago with that, uh, the silly uh, action of this uh, Bilal, uh, the guy who um, forced uh, a young uh, boy to, to show his penis on camera. Um, you know, these are opportunities that you should discuss, no matter if you're a math teacher or, or a Dutch teacher or a biology teacher, it's part of, of daily life and i'm sure that 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 all classes no matter what topic you said that um there's opportunities and there's talks about sexuality even if it's jokes or if it's whatever kind of stuff and use these it's not only the parents or the friends 
but it's also school that are, are uh, an important uh, partner in, in sex education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is when you talk about differences, it's also, you know, th- that's that some people say, oh, you know, you're, you're from the Netherlands, you're a, a white person, you go to Africa and Asia, talk and teach people to have sex. I said, no, I don't teach them how to have sex. I give them the information that we have and they discuss how to bring this information to their culture, to their benefit, you know, and um, um, it's also, I also tell them the first thing I do when I have a training, I said, you know, I'm from the Netherlands and it's a so-called liberal progressive country. And I have many, many, um, well, question marks to put behind this. Or how do you say this? Uh, I have my doubts about it. I mean, we very. I'm, I'm very happy to live here, and and of course things are very, very well taken care of. But there's also some some not so progressive sounds and some drawbacks when it comes to sexual health. Um, but for example, when I go in countries where, um, for example, homosexuality is uh, not accepted, uh, and uh, I said it's oh it's wrong, and it said okay. Um, People learn these things. I mean, it's also something that we bring up in in, in the training. Uh, and I see two men, eh, two policemen on the street walking hand in hand in a particular country. And I say, okay, uh, homosexual is not allowed here. Um, and in my country, uh, people are able to marry. Uh, there's one a single sex marriage. You can marry a woman if you're a woman, or I mean, this is 20 years already. And we are very so called very progressive. But if I walk with a man in the center of Amsterdam, hand in hand, first thing people think is, What is it? You're gay, two gay men, <laughs> yeah, and it's sexualized. It's, it's two men having sex together. Mm-hmm. Um, where there, where there's no uh, where where they're very strict uh, and it's, it's homosexual is not allowed men are allowed to walk hand in hand and to kiss each other on the cheek as a sign of friendship as a sign of male intimacy a sign of caring and i don't know george i think it's also in brazil that way that men are more hugging and, and kissing we we like to kiss each other when we say hi yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in the Netherlands, it's not. And, and so th- that's my point. I said, you know, this is something we can learn from you, that, that, that it's able to walk hand in hand as men and, and hug each other or kiss each other. And it's not automatically sexualized. It's, it's a part of uh, male friendship, male intimacy. And mm-hmm. this is something that we can learn from them. So, um, uh, yeah, what the, the, the point is that... Um, uh, it, it's not that we tell, we, you know, we, we are not uh, sexual health paradise. Uh, you know, there's other countries that we think are underdeveloped in some kind of ways that do much better in my perspective. And also, when you talk about different genders, um, the funny thing I, in, in, in Bangladesh, um, you know, I had a training and I had a, a few people who are called from the Hydra community. So they're transgender, but in Bangladesh, they have a different status, like also in India and other places. Anyway, um, I always uh, split the groups, men, women. And I said, oh, <laughs> when, when I have a certain exercise, 
and I wasn't I wasn't aware of that at that moment. But you know, uh, everybody said, "Okay, what about them?" And I said, "Yeah, you're right. I mean, totally forgot about it. They should be able to choose the group that they feel most comfortable with." So a few went uh, to the male group, the other went to the female group. Yeah. So that's much more accepted. And of course, there's a lot of discrimination everywhere and a lot of suppression. But uh, there's also a lot of uh, good things happening all around the world. Yeah. What, what kind of exercises uh, do you do with them? With those? Well, one of the most interesting is, um, um, well, you know, we, we always start with, uh, it, uh, uh, if I do a training abroad, it's uh, five days. Mm -hmm. um, and and you really need five days uh, and it's 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 sometimes even uh, too short to cover but um, uh, you always start the first day with getting to know each other and making everybody feel comfortable mm -hmm. uh, because it's very important that you have safety and everything so you you, you spend some time about it and then then uh, the second day you talk about gender in general and then you slowly move into uh, more uh, sexology part of the training and then you ask people for example a sexuality lifeline and, and, and not to, to make it too personal to start but you ask them where in your life where in their life sorry do boys and girls um, in, in your community uh, discover sexuality or discover uh, uh the differences between male and female uh, female role what do they play you know uh, whatever and then um so you see the whole lifeline and, and what can happen eventually to a boy and a girl in their community yeah, it can be circumcision um fgm uh, uh arranged marriage uh you know anything um, so you have a whole picture and then um, a few days later after that you have explained the basics of sexology um, you ask you, I always have two people of uh, sorry two groups go separately men and women and, and sometimes third gender or fourth gender and ask each other questions so the group is is making a list of the 10 uh, 10 questions and as a group you ask these questions to the other group and mm -hmm. as a group, you answer these questions. So it's a very safe way so that everybody can, within their own gender peer group, um, can, can answer questions. And when you do this in general, when you, when you come with the results, nobody knows who gave that answer. So there's a lot of discussion. And what I see with this exercise is that when men ask uh, questions to women and women ask questions to men, I can I can take a bingo I can make a bingo card, and 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 I'm I'm almost certain that every training I go, uh, ten or fifteen questions come up uh, everywhere. Okay. They and they are all gendered. So women they want to know, for example, from men like okay why. Uh, why are you always uh, focused on orgasm? Uh, why do you fall asleep right afterwards? Or uh, how come you look at different women? Or how come you're so obsessed by sexual competition? Yeah. Well, it's not really competition, but why do you count the number of times we have sex in a week? Why is it important to you? And the men from women, um, what do you prefer? A, 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 a large penis or a small penis? 
what's your favorite position? How can you, how can we, uh, what can we do to make you reach an orgasm uh, quickly as possible and uh, mm. as intense as possible? So they're really focused on the sexual act, whereas the women, they're really focused on the other things around it. Mm. And, you know, I think at the end of the training, you try to blend the two perspectives and you tell the men, hey, this is a way to look at it. And the women, okay, this is the way that men are taught to look at sexuality. And, and you are, as, as well as the men and other people in your society, it's up to you to change this eventually. And it's very interesting because no matter what, if you do this exercise in the Netherlands or, or in, in Rwanda or in, in, in Somalia or whatever, same comes up, same things. So fascinating because, of course, we're all human and we all have our same sexual challenges when it comes to our own feelings and our own desires it's only yeah. the community around us that 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 makes it easier or more difficult uh, to experience and explore sexuality yeah yeah so that's image of men being uh, very sexual and fast and women more uh in, in the experience or something and that's yeah. very implemented around that's it's very yeah it's 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 a worldwide uh, uh gender uh, norm or yeah and yeah. and it, it comes in you know in some in some places it's stronger than in other you know uh and and also if you if you look for example at, at the, the the sexual norms and values uh, here in amsterdam where we are now or if you go to Stophorst or uh, another place on the in the dutch bible belt they have different ideas about sexuality. So it's also in a very small country as the Netherlands or in, in a city, uh, these things can, can be different. And it's all right. I mean, there's nothing wrong about it. Uh, the important thing is that you learn that there are so many different ideas about sexuality. And especially now in times where everybody has access to the whole world through internet, basically, um, you're going to be confronted with a lot of different ideas about sexuality. And when you're young, yeah, you, you have to put these in perspectives. And even if you're older um, and, and make sure what's the, the best uh, idea and, and the best uh, norms and values for you. Yeah. And sometimes it means that, that they're different from the people you grew up with. And then you have to find a way to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we're, uh at the, our favorite segment, it's called Fun Fact. Fun Fact. And Yuri, do you have a fun fact for us? Yeah, I do have many fun facts. Um, actually, uh, well, I'm just thinking about a few of them. Um, well, I start with two personal ones. Um, one is that... Um, of course, I, I'm, I'm an expert in sexuality education and um, I've, uh, uh, you know, my wife and I, we have a 13 and a half year old daughter. So she's right heading puberty. <laughs> and um, of course, I know everything you should do as a parent when it comes to sexuality education. So I, I have all the right books and uh, I, I bring it up every time you watch a TV show, you know, and for example, we've watched Sex Education together on Netflix. She enjoyed it. But the funny thing is that she was laughing at different parts that I was laughing because some of the things she, she wasn't really aware of. So that, that was a good sign. And, and, and it was funny. But um, 
I'm confronted uh, like many other parents uh, with uh, with a daughter that said when I when I talk about sexuality, say, oh, please stop talking about sexuality. I don't want to hear about it. Or uh, if I say, for example, oh, by the way, uh, you know, this is a book that uh, I've been editing uh, for my work. Uh, maybe you want to co-edit it because it's for girls your age. Oh, no, not interested. So uh, being a sex educator and telling all kinds of parents, this is what you do with sex education. When you're, uh, when you're uh, a father or a mother and you deal with your own children, uh, it's, it's, it, it's, a different, it's a different matter. There, it's personal there and, and, and of course i know this you know it's not that i'm surprised but it's it's just funny how it works out in practice and i've many um uh, uh, colleagues sexologists uh, with children and they told me you know for i i have one friend who said well my ch my children my kids they went to the neighbors to have their sex education and the neighbor's children came to me to have their sex education so you know that's funny um I think, uh, and um, another thing is that um, also a personal that um, I, I have a master in uh, communication and uh, I've never studied sexology uh, in university. Uh, and I was uh, ready for a, a, a big career in advertising, marketing, communication, and all that, all that, well, uh, uh, bullshit, I would say. No, it's not bullshit. It's, it's fun. <laughs> but anyway, um, and when I worked in an advertising agency, uh, working my ass off to to put a, a shampoo brand on a market, uh, I realized, oh, this is this is not what I want to do. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd love to work in communication and and to write creatively and talk creatively, but this is not my thing. Now I'm a sexologist, and I'm teaching training uh about communication about sexuality and it's all about communication and in fact when you think about sexuality and relationships you know communication is the main aphorisia if the communication is not working uh, you're never going to have uh, sexual pleasure uh to the the the, the fullest so um uh without knowing i i i studied the basis of uh, pleasurable sex and sexual health and that's communication. It was only for a different purpose that I used it. That's that right. Yeah, yeah no? that's amazing. And that actually leads us into the question we wanted to ask you. Um, when someone has a sexual issue, but they don't feel very comfortable talking about it, how can you approach them? How can you start the conversation? Um, from my perspective as a sexologist, um, well, I, I always say, and that's that's um, that's another fun fact I was just thinking about, but uh, that's that's later. I would say, well, you know, if, if somebody asks a question, oh, yeah, this is a question I've heard so many times before. Uh, many young people or many persons of your age in your situation deal with similar issues. And we can find a solution for this. I mean, it's no, I mean, it's, it's not in, in, insolvable. So when you say this and you make the, the individual issue uh, more common, it, it's also a big relief to the person who has this issue because, you know, believe me or not, uh, it's, um, uh, you know, there's no question that's unique. I mean, uh, every question that I read in, in, in the context is unique or in the way people uh, ask them, but 
you know, there's uh, uh, so many questions that people have and because they don't communicate about it or they don't find the right uh, forum uh, on internet, uh, they're not aware that they are not the only one. And communication about sexuality without um, being too personal can be, uh, you know, solve, uh, can be a solution. And that's another misconception and another fun fact. Um, you can uh, do... Uh, sexuality education in a very, very good way without revealing some of your own sexual uh, issues of your own sex life. That's the biggest fear of many teachers or other professionals. Uh, if I talk about sex with my clients or with my students, I have to talk about my own sex life. No, you don't. You don't have to. And you, there's many, many ways that you can do sex education without really touching your own sex life at all. Um, and then when you just ask uh, uh, about this question about somebody with, with uh, sexual questions, um, when I was 16, uh, I, and it's a long time ago, I was in, the, in, in the, 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 the previous century, uh, in the 80s, um, you know, I had some basic sexuality classes at school. I had a biology teacher and... Um, uh, he was a gay activist, and at that time, HIV was, was coming up. Uh, and because of this, and because he was aware, he was f teaching us about safe sex. And mm -hmm. Very good, very progressive. Uh, also about diversity in a very progressive way. Uh, but then, um, uh, that's it. I, I didn't learn. But the, where, I, where, where I learned my lessons, of, of course, I could ask my parents, but I don't know, they're too busy with other things. So no, I didn't want to bother my parents with it. I was a bit uncomfortable with it. So I learned, I, I read the, the teenage magazines and there were these music magazines uh, at that time, uh, Hitkrant and uh, do you remember? Do you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Comes, yes. And there was a very explicit uh, Q&A about sexuality. So I read that every week and I learned, I learned a lot from it. 20 years later, uh, working at Rutgers, I was answering the questions of the same magazine. Uh, or that, or no, it was not Hitcrunt, it was Breakout. Do you know Breakout yet? yet? Uh, no. 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 Okay. Yeah. You. You were too young. But that, uh, between two thousand and two thousand five, that was like one of the most popular teenage magazines in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So then I was on the other side, and I, I'd seen the the questions still be the same as when I was a teenager, only they were much more explicit. So, for example, when I had uh, the questions I received for breakouts, there were questions. Uh, like, oh, how can I perform oral sex? How can I give a blowjob? How can I, uh, you know, like, what about anal sex? You know, all kinds of different varieties, much more uh, concrete. Um, and uh, when I was 16, uh, I knew this, these things existed, but it was not mentioned, even though it was really about sex, you know, so it was about uh, orgasms, but it was not so explicit as it was now. So that has changed. Yeah. And you can also see it on Sense Info, the questions that we receive now, they're much more explicit, much more about sexual techniques. Uh, so they're much more aware of what sexuality, sexuality after he is, as we were uh, 30 years ago. Yeah, so, but maybe it's also that now we know all those things maybe better, but uh, then you are sort of 
feeling like you're forced to do it like that. Yeah, yeah, that's also true. And and it's also the, the, the there's pressure on young people that you should know this. No, I mean, you mean, I, I, see, I mean, I see it when I watch my daughter's sexuality education. I mean, she's, you know, as far as I know, uh, quite knowledgeable about sex in general, but there's still things you don't know or that doesn't that doesn't ring a bell because you don't have that experience yet. And that's what I tell people with sex education. We all have different experiences, different sources, different uh, stories we grow up with. So don't expect everybody to know the same about sex. Yeah. It's therapy time. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode's therapy time. So in this therapy time, we would like to tell you about what you can go to a sexologist for. So if you have any questions, problems, and uncertainties related to sex and sexuality, these are very common. If you are experiencing difficulties about your sexual identity or sex life in general, a sexologist can help determine the cause and overcome these problems. They can also provide information for you. Some of the problems that someone might experience include, and beware, there's a long list coming, lack of sexual desire or excessive sexual desire, sexual aversion, difficulty having an orgasm, pain during sex, inability to have penetrative sex, difficulty getting or keeping an erection, premature ejaculation or other ejaculation problems, problems or questions regarding sexual identity, sexual incompatibility with partner, or also any excessive masturbation or interference of masturbation with a relationship. All of these issues are common and there is someone to help you. So yet, could you tell us a little bit more about how someone could get help in the Netherlands? Yes, um, to see a sexologist in the Netherlands, first you need to uh, see a general practitioner. This is to determine whether the causes are physical, especially in cases of pain or dysfunction. Um, in case the doctor suspects the causes are physiological or... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No problem. Just I thought it's physical, physiological, or just psychology. Psychological. Okay. okay. It's fine. Wait, just, okay. wait we'll, we'll give yes. a pause for Aiken and then you can speak again. Yeah. Uh, yes, I can. To see a sexologist in the Netherlands, first you need to see a general practitioner. This is to determine whether the causes are physical, especially in cases of pain or dysfunction. In case the doctor suspects the causes are psychological or a combination, they can advise uh, seeing a sexologist. However, there are also counseling ag agencies that do not require doctor referral if you would like to see a sexologist directly. Yeah, I think uh, this was yeah, it. Georgia, it's almost time, I see. Huh? You have to run yeah. for the explanation. <laughs> I do have to run for my exam, but I definitely find uh, the content of this podcast more interesting. <laughs> but okay. thank you so much, Yuri, for your time. Uh, this was yes. a very insightful conversation. And we okay. really so, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And Yuri, thank you so much for telling us all your information about sex and sexology. We really uh, loved it and we hope you did too. And have a great day at home or somewhere else. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.